Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Welcome to this Wednesday episode on Right Spokane Perspective. We're going to talk about a number of things today in local politics, state policy, but we'll enter those conversations after inspiration. Our inspiration today is actually in regards to good old St. Nick. The person we know as St. Nicholas was born around AD 270 to a wealthy Grecian family. Tragically, his parents died when he was a boy, and he lived with his uncle who loved him and taught him to follow God. When Nicholas was a young man, legend says that he heard of three sisters who didn't have a dowry for marriage and would soon be destitute. Wanting to follow Jesus' teaching about giving to those in need, he took his inheritance and gave each sister a bag of gold coins. Over the years, Nicholas gave the rest of his money away, feeding the poor and caring for others. In the following centuries, Nicholas was honored for his lavish generosity, and he inspired the character we know as Santa Claus. While the glitz and advertising of the season may threaten our celebrations, the gift-giving tradition connects to Nicholas, and his generosity was based on his devotion to Jesus. Nicholas knew what Christ enacted unimagined generosity, bringing the most profound gift, God, Jesus is God with us. And he brought us the gift of life. In a world of death, he saves his people from their sins. When we believe in Jesus, sacrificial generosity unfolds. We tend to others' needs and we joyfully provide them as God provided for us. This is St. Nick's story, but far more, this is God's story. Heavenly Father, we want to be generous but we don't always feel it. Please help us to practice true generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that's an interesting inspiration, thinking about some of the things that I wanted to address today. And I know Shannon's got some articles and local coverage today as well for us. You know, generosity is a great thing. It's the holiday season and giving is important and, you know, taking care of the the less fortunate and Giving people a hand up and not a handout. And we're called also to care for the orphan and the widows. But I also think that we have to do it wisely. I think that there's got to be some change in state policy, and so I'll talk about that in a moment too. But we've had state representatives that are going to be coming onto the air with us in the in the coming days and weeks and we've got some legislators that we're going to be talking to over the legislative session where state policies are going to be changed that will alter things around us maybe things in our own lives these state laws that affect us all whether we see it directly or not need to be considered with thoughtful representatives and we bring people onto the program. I know during the election cycle, sometimes some of our listeners may like, oh, another interview with somebody running for office. I think that we need to make informed decisions, but we want our state government to make informed decisions as well. And I know on this show, we introduce ideas on policies that 
come to fruition and and make positive changes, not just for our community, but also around the state. And so, folks, if you want to continue to hear those interviews, we're going to need your support. You can send that to P.O. Box 7620-99207. Make the checks payable to Right Spokane Perspective because we are supported by the listeners. We're not funded by any lobby groups, any political parties, and political candidates cannot donate to our show. Their campaigns can't do any funding on our show because we're not endorsing candidates. We're endorsing information. That's what we endorse here. So we want to continue to get that information out. And as these things happen in our local news, our our local policies, state policies, we want to keep bringing you guys that information. So we've got to stay on the air and I'll advocate for state policy. You know, I don't want to advocate necessarily for specific politicians, but it's good to have those interviews so that we can be informed when we're voting. But I think it's asking them where they're at on policies. And on air and off air, I asked lots of candidates questions about solving a lot of our problems. I know that there might have been some pushback in the past when I said, let's drug test for welfare. Okay, so that's not exactly going to be just a simple bill that just says drug test for welfare, because obviously you'll end up with a pretty large contingency of people that will end up homeless and food stamps and car repair and cell phone bills and all the things that we subsidize that just will suddenly be intense or, you know, in our community, probably pretty angry because they lost their subsidies. But we have people that are making life out of subsidy programs. I was talking to a store clerk the other day and, and he just thought I needed to hear a story about a gal that he knows that seems to have a nice car, nice lifestyle, pretty nice clothing. And the gal touts to him pretty regularly, I guess, that she found another government program that would pay for another thing in her life that she wants. And I thought, well, why is that a huge problem for you? You see people in here with their food stamp cards buying junk food and energy drink all the time. And he said, it didn't bother me that I, I mean, this is obviously state policy. We see this happening, but he said, this gal lives like an upper middle-class person and she's never worked, but she's able to find all sorts of different programs. She combs the internet for government funding for all sorts of things. And probably some of us have seen those ads in the past about government grants that you can receive, right? Like if you're left-handed, you can receive a grant because you're left-handed. There's all sorts of weird government grants. So we've got to, I think, as taxpayers, and we'll talk about the, the, the Tea Party in a moment, as taxpayers, where's our money going? What's it supporting? And of course, if we drug test for welfare, then we're not just openly endorsing drug use and homelessness and broken families because of drug addiction. But of course, those people are probably, there's got to be a separate program set up to try to get those people on a different path. But right now we just have the programs that are there. It's just free stuff for everyone and anyone all the time. So we have to have more in-depth conversations like our legislators need to have because we can't just continue to see the same problems continuing. And that's why we have a legislature that changes laws. So I think we need to look at these all the different programs and see which ones work and which ones don't. If we're subsidizing depravity, let's solve it. So when I say drug test for welfare, it's not like this ending of a program where we're going to have tens of thousands of people out riding in the streets because their free stuff is gone. I think we've got to have an open conversation that we are subsidizing human depravity 
and we, we need to fix that. Obviously, in the past, that's kind of an American theme, and it seems like we've lost it. We had back in uh, about the 2008 to 2010 era, we had the Tea Party movement where folks said we're taxed enough already, Tea, right, as the acronym. And I think that we're paying a lot more taxes now than we were then. It's not that people are just anti-tax. It's that they don't want to subsidize stupidity. And I think that we, too often we're subsidizing things that, you know, obviously we want roads that are effective and work. We want law enforcement available in, in emergencies. We want there to be emergency services like the fire department. But subsidizing drug use is probably not what people want to do. Subsidizing criminal behavior is probably not what most of us want to pay taxes for. And the other thing that we don't want to pay taxes for is for our local businesses to get crushed by international corporations. And that didn't just start now where people feel like, yeah, these large multinational corporations are coming in and just destroying the local business. And I'd like to shop at a local mom and pop shop from time to time, go to that family owned restaurant that began all the way back in 1773 with the tea act and parliament reduces the tax on imported British tea. So really the tea, a lot of us, when we think about the Boston tea party where they went to the ships, they, commandeered the tea and they dumped it into the harbor we think about it being a tea tax that was raised on the citizenry in the colonies when really what it was was it was a reduction in the importation tax on the tea from europe now what's important about that if we look at the past taxation and where we are now most of the things that our government did was because of import taxes so we've reduced a lot of those taxes. If you want to send a product over to China, you're going to get taxed at like 100% tariffs, right? Tariff taxes. Whereas they send stuff over here, there's like no taxes. So when our government used to make it to where American labor, American companies, American family-owned businesses could compete with those multinational corporations. Now the multinational corporations are have all the tax advantages and the local business is paying all the freight. And so that was kind of the, the reason for, you know, the Boston Tea Party, the Tea Party of a decade or two ago. And I think the sentiment we have now about taxation, and, it, you know, of course, people want to buy American-made. I don't know where you're going to find it, but you're not going to find a whole lot of it because American manufacturers are taxed and tariffed by other countries, but the foreign goods coming in aren't taxed. So we as individual taxpayers are paying the freight for the multinational corporations to bring their businesses here. So those are all important conversations to have. I think obviously like the drug test for welfare one is kind of a tax that we're paying for subsidy programs to subsidize the drug cartels. So there's state policy that matters and that's why we have state representatives in on a regular basis. But uh, Shannon's got some stories over there that she would like to cover today. We're going to talk about um, our businesses struggling and, and the taxes that they pay maybe on inventory taxes that, you know, just kind of walks off. So I was going to say, I didn't think the businesses had as much trouble with inventory taxes because so much of it's <laughs> being stolen. Yeah. We're talking about the Christmas season and out of the spokesman review um, this last week was security guards versus shoplifters. What can stores do? 
So it says security guards are often seen standing at store entrances and patrolling establishments property, especially more during the holidays when store thefts tend to increase. I guess I kind of have a problem with it saying where that the the theft increases because we've seen a hundred percent increase in theft. People are just able to walk in and walk out and the security guards aren't able to do anything. Well, but there's a continued increase and actually prolific criminals, thieves know that during the busy shopping season, for one, you've got more employees that want to take time off to go visit with family, to prepare their own, uh, you know, Christmases, Thanksgiving parties, things like that. But you also have busier stores. You've got stores that have more end caps and things that, you know, they actually design stores aisle by aisle and where product goes. It's not just, you know, pharmaceuticals and other things that get locked up. And now, of course, they're locking up all those uh, alcohol is getting locked up because of the high theft of that. Cigarettes, things like that, that get locked up because of high, their high theft items if they're just sitting on the shelf. But the stores are designed and laid out to try to reduce theft. But during the Christmas season, there's all this stuff, I call it junk, that comes into the stores that you'd never buy any other time of the year that gets in the way of some of this theft reduction. Because they don't even call it security much anymore. It's just theft reduction. It's loss prevention. We're not going to lose this conversation, but we are going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about some of the ideas that were in the newspaper to stop theft. Maybe Shannon's got some ideas. I think drug testing for welfare might stop some of it too, but we will take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm dreaming of a wise Christmas. You know, whether we have a lot of snow or not, Right Spokane Perspective wants to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas with these words that Shannon has for you. When we give each other Christmas presents in his name, let us remember that he has given us the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth with his forests and mountains and oceans and all that lives upon them. Thanks again from Right Spokane Perspective and thank you listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and donating or by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective LLC PO Box 7620-99207. Have a Merry Christmas. And welcome back to this What Are We Gonna Do About the World Around Us Wednesday episode? Well, not a drug test for welfare. I'm just going to keep on going with that one because we got to start solving some of these problems. But that's not going to solve the problem for the stores that we talked about in the first half. Of course, these multinational corporations are stealing Chinese goods. Maybe it should go back to the manufacturer to be a loss prevention problem. But these store owners and, of course, these stores have to raise the prices on all of us to cover for the theft. We what, took what, off on the, on, on the first half talking about what the thieves know, where the things are in the stores, how they're going to walk out, and, and if and when they're going to walk out. And the reason why they can, going back to this article, it says, in Washington State, security cards don't have the same authority as commissioned police officers when it comes to stopping a shoplifter. At a store, a guard can get 
detain a shoplifting suspect if he or she has reasonable grounds to believe the suspect stole or was trying to steal from the store, according to the state law. Those reasonable grounds include knowledge the suspect has concealed possession or unpurchased merchandise from the store. Security guards have become more commonplace in Washington businesses, according to Mark Johnson, who is the senior vice president of policy and government affairs at the Washington Retail Association. He said hiring security is costly and doesn't provide an ideal shopping environment, which many stores use it as a final step before they shut down. Johnson said the National Retail Federation reported Washington retailers last year lost about $3 billion in theft, which equated to over $300 million in uncollected tax revenues for state and local governments. Yeah, so that's the inventory tax that they didn't get because of the stolen items. They were able to write those off as a, a loss. And so they didn't pay taxes on the items that would have still been in their inventory. And a th- $3 billion? $3 billion. In, just in Washington State. In theft. $3 billion. Yep. That, that's huge. Is what they lost. Now, if we want to put that into context, the entire government of Spokane County, I think, just finished passing a Spokane County budget. We're talking about the Spokane County region is less than a billion dollars. I think it was 700 and some odd million. When we look at the city of Spokane, they had just over a billion dollar budget. So $3 billion just in retail theft. And that's not all the other crimes. That's not these same criminals that are, you know, stealing stuff out of garages and breaking into cars and things like that. That's just retail theft. And I know that there's some stores now because of how common theft is that, um, uh, oh, the, the county commission approved a $937 million budget. So, you know, less That's than a billion dollars. That's less than a billion. So, and we have $3 billion lost in, just uh, in, retail in theft. Th- well, and, and it's we can't say we lost it. And I don't know that the government can exactly say that they lost the inventory taxes or taxes but revenue But $300 million but, in uncollected taxes. Well, that's what they're saying, but I mean- that's just a guess, like if those items actually sold and there was sales tax instead of an empty shelf or uh, inventory type taxation, who says they don't send it back to the manufacturer. So some of those numbers can go one way or the other, but even, uh, you know, five points this way, five points that way, really $3 billion. You don't think that the tax that we're being taxed as citizens because of rising costs, we're not being charged more at checkout to cover those costs just because they can write them off on their taxes doesn't make their initial investment cost go away. They're going to have to recoup some of those funds so that they can show a profit at their store or the chain, Walmart, you know, Winco, whatever chain it is, they're not going to keep a store open if it's not making money. We saw that with the construction going on down by Fred Myers. Fred Myers says, hey, if you can't send the police over to this area of town and stop these people from stealing stuff from our store and from stealing the items that are being used to complete the construction, construction project, yeah. we're going to close our store. Well, We're going to move out the, of this area. Well, there was talks about that. But of course, you know, 
tens of thousands of dollars just in one location, construction materials being damaged and destroyed. It's it's not something we should tolerate as taxpayers, consumers, or residents. We want a community that's not so fully corrupt that, you know, well, of course, the government that taxes oftentimes we think is corrupt. But we, we don't want to have that as the just the modus operandi because that's what's happening is that, oh, well, the law doesn't matter anymore. Theft is fine. I just watch people walk out the store. I guess at self-checkout, I don't have to scan everything because that guy just walked out with a shopping cart. Well, but it's you know, coming so to a head it's, because while it, while it may seem like the modus operandi, as we call it, we now are seeing actually people taking their business and leaving. It, out of the spokesman review last week again, we have the eatery exodus. Labor and food prices blamed for businesses exiting Spokane's downtown with more closures expected. Spokane County hosts nearly 900 restaurants and roughly 540 operate in the city of Spokane, according to the Washington Hospitality Association. However, we are seeing tons and tons of restaurants and venues closing well you got the same people that don't scan the item in the self-checkout that are stealing from the retailers you got the same people that you know just walk out with uh, a handful or or pockets full of stuff from the retailers they go into a restaurant they order their food and they just walk out without paying well and some of it it does still revert back to covid it says however industry has trends like somehow uh, some 40% of restaurants did not receive COVID relief, meaning they've been carrying debts from the lockdown. And those businesses that were lucky enough to receive relief funds, they must begin paying them back to the federal government, which is simply an insurmountable risk. If you're one of those restaurants that have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and you're facing four years of no profits and not being able to pay off loans, the time has come to close before the bleeding gets any worse. Yeah, that's a problem that we've seen, obviously, with businesses. COVID kind of took all the business trends and things that you could try to navigate as a business owner and just just blew it up basically so how do you budget for you know the future when you're looking at the government's power to just shut everything down and of course now there's talk of you know masking up again in hospitals and i think it's a economic terrorism by the the health establishment in government where they have this power to where businesses that failed because of covid but also because of theft and the economic pressures is a new business going to come in and replace them knowing that they could just get shut down when the United States and Fauci and China create another virus? No. And, but we have more factors than that, than just that. The inflation rate from 2019 to 2023 was 20.3%. So if Spokane restaurants had kept up with inflation, their sales would be right around 20%. They're only at 13%, which means their sales haven't kept up with the increased costs of labor and food and other things required to run their businesses. Well, and you and I were going to talk about some of that stuff with Christmas sales, and we kind of sidestepped it because we had other shows to do, but I think we do got to talk about it at the end of this article because I think it's huge where, okay, you say people's spending at eating establishments is about the same. It's, it's up 3% from last year. Well, yeah, people spent 3% more. Because of the cost out. of food. Well, but they, 
Not necessarily. No. So let's say the household budget spent 3% more than they did in the previous year. Well, that means they went out to eat less because the it cost costs more. went way up. Right. And these stores are looking at 20, you know, the restaurants looking at 20% inflation. That wasn't an increase in 3% of consumer spending. If you look at the value of the dollar a year ago versus inflation, it means people spent a lot less, the businesses made a lot less, and they had to mark up all their items a lot higher, which again, hurts future sales. Right. So this is not a good economic trend, but too many news articles and too many headlines tell us a different tale that says consumer confidence is up. Spending is higher than last year. Well, yeah, the inflation's like way, way higher than it was four or five years ago. Well, and the next economic trend as to the reason why we're losing more and more businesses. And those are the mom and pop businesses. The mom and pop businesses, the ones that we should be supporting. Currently, the minimum wage in Washington is $15.74 per hour and has increased every year since 2016 when it was $9.47 an hour, according to the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries. Next year, it will be $16.28 per hour. That's just insane. So in my work, in my lifetime of working, of course, I started working when I was young, but it's like four times. The minimum wage is like quadrupled it has. since, since and you I know was what, a youth though? working. Jacob Miller, who owns Crave Eats, he said, you can't hire a 15 or 16-year-old kid to do dishes for $16 per hour anymore. Instead, he hires more skilled workers for a few more dollars an hour. They do a little prep, dishes, and other stuff. The lower-level positions like bussers, hostesses, and dishwashers have gone away. Well, there's arguments against the minimum wage. Now, the intent of a minimum wage to stop the usury of labor or you know, somewhat you know, slavery, basically, where, you know, they're not paying their labor fairly was the argument. But the minimum wage in a lot of places like Washington State, we're like the highest minimum wage in the country. And they created a new law that keeps running up that minimum wage. And the person and the group of people that it hurts the worst is the minimum wage workers. Because, yeah, the minimum wage has quadrupled. But guess what also has quadrupled? The cost of housing. And so you're rising the costs of everything. So the people that are at the bottom of the the income scales in our state are the ones that are hurt the most because the cost of eating out is higher. The cost of living is higher. It's all gone up commensurate to the minimum wage. So they're not helped at all because wage growth has stagnated. So not only are they hurting the bottom, they're also hurting the people in the middle that worked five or 10 years at a company to get to $17 an hour. Now the new kid that can't tie his shoes and pull up his pants is getting paid almost what they are making when they've been there for five years. So it really creates a negative environment for workers and employers. Well, and it also creates a negative environment for for places that have been a staple in our community, like the Red Lions since 1959. They're, they're closing the doors to their historic Spokane bar. And one of the reasons is because buying and selling liquor in our state, the cost of the, of the tax, the excise, the excise tax on distilled spirits is $36.55 per gallon. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Maybe they need a, uh, another tea party type of thing. 
you know, where maybe they do. They're, they're upset about the the cost of the taxes. But not only that, you got all those taxation pieces. You've got your permits, your business licenses that have gone up. Everything's gone up. Now the minimum wage has gone up. You've got somebody that's a great cook or a great server or, you know, a waitress, waiter that has been with you for several years. They're great. And now you have to hire in new people that that person has to train to be just as great as they are. And they're going to make about the same amount of money. Not a good situation. And one of the last points, of course, that's that's going to get pointed out in this article is nobody likes to wade through six guys asking for change and cigarettes just to get in to where they're going. Well, that's the other thing. We're paying a lot of money for our government to do law enforcement. And you've got, you know, not just your, your community and your residential areas that are dealing with the theft and your retailers that are dealing with the theft, but the drug addiction, the people that are passed out on the sidewalk are people obviously that are addicted to drugs and acting very oddly are driving people away from business centers and areas where restaurants and other service industries are at. And so the consumers have left those marketplaces. What's going to happen to those businesses? So again, drug tests for welfare. Well, and the businesses, I mean, they're looking at it. Anton of the restaurant of the restaurant association said one of the most pressing concerns for restaurant owners is crime. Historically, it's never really made our top 20, but now it's everyone's number one or number two issue, he said. It's either higher costs or dealing with crime. That's right. Well, they got the higher costs with the taxes and everything, all the fees from government, but they also have consumers that don't want to park their car because they're worried about getting broken into. They don't want to park their car. They're worried about it being vandalized. They don't want to have to walk back to their car once it's gotten dark outside after dinner. You know, that's those are huge concerns, and I think that we need to address them sooner. We're going to have downtown areas all over the country that look a lot like San Francisco. You can look up some of those stories. They're not positive stories for a once great city. We're out of time for today. We'll be with you folks again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.